You're listening to the Keef to the City podcast. All right, the Yankees' home opening weekend at Yankee Stadium couldn't have gone better. Three games against the Red Sox, three wins, a 5-1 win on Friday, a 5-2 win on Saturday, a 9-7 win on Sunday. The Yankees are now 7-1, the best record in baseball. They've buried the Red Sox for the time being in the ALE standing. So even in this dumb, odd, eight-team playoff format in each league, uh, where I was worried that, hey, maybe the Red Sox would get in, maybe they'd have to play the Yankees in the first round, and you never know with those bats. Uh, certainly the starting pitching sucks, but you never know with those bats what could happen, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen now. Three and seven, the Red Sox fall to. So they are six games in back of the Yankees in the loss column. <laughs> right now the second best team in the AL East is the Orioles. So the AL East is pretty jumbled in the middle with the Yankees on top. Uh, seven and one now. Aaron Judge homered twice on Sunday night. He's now got six home runs in his last five games six homers 14 rbis on the season but james paxton was horrible again his second start of the season he went three innings this time which was better than the one he went in his first start but he was awful at once again throwing in the low 90s once again nowhere near his 96 97 98 that he's accustomed to he didn't miss many bats and the red Sox were able to hit him around till he came out of the game and the yankees after that went to michael king who went uh, just a little too long as Aaron Boone did his patented move of trying to steal some outs from a non-elite reliever, uh, going to Adam Adovino one batter too late, pitching Adam Adovino with the Yankees trailing by a run rather than in a tie game. Aaron Boone got saved once again. Aaron Judge saved Aaron Boone once again, and it was Judge all weekend long. Uh, even going back to Thursday, he wins the game in the ninth inning for the Yankees in Baltimore and saves Aaron Boone. On Friday, he gives the Yankees the lead for good with a home run. On Saturday, he gives them an early lead in the first inning with a home run. And then on Sunday, he hits two home runs. The first one erases a 2-0 deficit, and the second one breaks the tie score in the bottom of the eighth. So Aaron Judge saving Aaron Boone all week long, all season long. Aaron Boone's bullpen decisions have been getting saved by the Yankees' power, and uh, it's all worked out. So no one's talking about Aaron Boone and his horrific bullpen management for now the third straight year as Yankees manager. Everyone's talking about how good the Yankees are, and they are that good. And now they'll play the Phillies this week for four games, which should have taken place last week before the Phillies season was uh, momentarily paused. Everything's good for the Yankees right now. Seven and one, six wins in a row. First place in the entire league. Uh, best record in all of baseball. The only thing that's worrisome outside of Boone's bullpen management, which I know is going to be suspect all season long. I know it's never going to be up to par or what it should be. Uh, you just hope... He doesn't have to really make any serious decisions come the postseason because we saw what that can entail two years ago when he blew the ALDS against the Red Sox was the bullpen management. The other thing is the starting pitching because Paxton was horrible now twice around. Happ was horrible in his first start. Garrett Cole's been the only Yankee starter to go six innings now through eight games this season. Masahiro Tanaka couldn't because of a pitch count. Jordan Montgomery fell just short at five and two-thirds. Paxton's only lasted one inning and three innings in his starts. Jay Happ was horrible in his start, and the other game was a bullpen game. So the Yankees are going to need starting pitching depth that they're eventually going to run into problems. I know they're seven and one and everything's great right now, but it's a recipe for disaster to ask the bullpen to keep getting uh, five, six innings of outs every night or every other night. It's just you just can't withstand that type of usage from a bullpen and they'll get burnt out and the elite relievers won't be that effective come the postseason. And we saw this happen in the ALCS last year where the Yankees uh, 
the Yankees needed their bullpen to get the majority of the outs in games. And what happened? By the end of the series, they retired, and the Astros won in six games. And then after the series, Zach Britton talked about the fact that the bullpen was tired. He felt it. The other relievers felt it. And you just can't lean on these guys to pitch every day or every other day, especially in this shortened season where, sure, it's not the same amount of games, but there's a lot less off days. The games are going to be stacked. There's going to be double headers. And even with the expanded postseason field now to eight teams, the Yankees still want to be the top team. They still want to have the home field advantage. Even if it doesn't mean fans, it still means playing at Yankee Stadium, which this team is built to do. And it still means not having to travel which this team and no team wants to do. So everything is great right now, but the starting pitching certainly needs to be better. And for as good as things are for the Yankees, things are that bad for the Red Sox. And Mike Hurley of CBS Boston joined me today to talk about the state of the Red Sox, who are now 3-7, and who were swept away by the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, who have no starting pitching whatsoever. I think the Yankees have starting pitching problems. The Red Sox have the worst starting pitching possibly in the entire league. Uh, but he joined me to talk about the state of the Red Sox. So here we go. All right, the Yankees open their season at home, uh, finally playing at Yankee Stadium. Three against the, three games against the Red Sox, three wins against the Red Sox. Uh, this rivalry is headed in a weird direction. And joining me today to talk Yankees-Red Sox is Mike Hurley of CBS Boston. We always used to talk about how no matter what these rosters looked like, it would always be 10-9 at the end of the season series. But last year, I think the Yankees were 14-5. and this year, I feel like what's the worst they could do in ten games? Eight, eight and two. Uh, that would be a surprise, to be honest with you. I think I think nine and one is probably realistic if it's ten <laughs> games because the Red Sox. I mean, like I think the Sunday night game was as good as the Red Sox can look, and how how far did that get them? So that's that's where they're at this year. Uh, the best they have to offer is is a Nate Valdi game, and I don't think Neil Keefe is gonna you know shake in his boots worrying about a Nate Valdi <laughs> game, uh, especially uh, if it's in New York. So yeah, ugly, 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 ugly for the Red Sox. Nathan Evaldi was so bad as a Yankee. It was the guy throws 100 miles an hour, couldn't strike anyone out, and then of course he goes to Boston and, and was like the best reliever in the history of uh, the postseason. So, uh, but now he's back down to earth. He's back to being the Nathan Evaldi after they gave him a pretty sizable contract. Uh, but really, like you said, the pitching. I mean, starting on Friday night, Ryan Weber pitches. Uh, David Cohn and Michael Kay were talking about how good this guy's movement is. His stuff. David Cohn called him a movement specialist. They talked about how Jackie Bradley Jr. has spoken so highly about Weber. This guy, in two starts, he's gone seven innings combined, has put 17 runners on base. His ERA is, you know, on another planet, and and he, I think he's given up four home runs as well in the seven innings. So I'm not really sure what they saw out of him. What has Red Sox fans seen out of this guy? Ryan Weber? Yeah. Ryan Weber. <laughs> like, he throws, like, 88. You want the like stats or stats or whatever. So he's he's been out there for seven innings. He has zero strikeouts. Like he can't miss a bat in the big leagues. That's not gonna work. Like the you, you throw out like any way. Just if if guys are making contact, there's gonna be a certain level of of batting average against you. When they're literally never missing the ball. Like you you're just setting your. It's it's just an absolute train wreck. And the thing is like. Let's cut right to it. Is people will say, "Oh, well, Chris Sale got hurt, and then Eduardo Rodriguez got COVID. They couldn't have been prepared for this." Chris Sale got hurt two years ago. Like he's been hurt. Granted, Dombrowski signed him for no reason a year before his contract was up, but he got hurt. He was hurt last year. He was hurt the year before. That was not a surprise in the least bit when he showed up to camp and his elbow didn't work. 
Rodriguez, I will grant you, but that doesn't account for four of your your rotation spots being filled right now by Martin Perez, Ryan <laughs> Weber, Neil Keefe, and Mike Hurley. Like that is just such negligent planning for a season that uh, I, I Weber would have been in the rotation regardless of those injuries. Is what I'm saying, and it's it's an absolute disaster. And I mean, the funniest part of it all is you'll hear like you know. Bobby Butthole from the Braves has been designated for assignment because he has a 14 ERA. And then it's like Red Sox will add him within five minutes. Like that's where the Red Sox are at this year is just adding anyone that is like physically able to stand on the mound and throw the ball. So it's uh, it's just like the remnants of a Dave Dombrowski led team. That's why he's not in charge anymore. Uh, I think everyone knew that when you signed up for that, you were going to get this. But they got the World Series out of it. So I guess. From a from a business standpoint, it, it makes sense, but in the in the present, it certainly doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I, and I, I think I remember back to when we talked uh, right around the start of spring training or before that, when the Red Sox held that very weird press conference to talk about the cheating allegations that would eventually come out. And at that time, they were already headed in, a, in an odd direction, and we laughed about what they had to say that day and basically not admitting to anything. And they were already planning to get rid of Mookie Betts. They send him to L.A. They send David Price packing. They were already planning their teardown long before that. And to see what they've become, I mean, last year they were, you know, they were they weren't a playoff team, but they weren't the worst team in the league. And the year before that, they were the best team in Red Sox history. And now, less than two years later, twenty two months later, they're possibly the worst team in the American League. I think when they lost two out of three of the Orioles to start the season, uh, it felt like last year when they got off to that horrible start and everyone was like, oh, don't worry, they'll come around, they'll come around. And then they have those two wins against the Mets, but then they get swept by the Yankees and it's just a reminder that this team is really, really bad. Really bad, really bad. And I think the the craziest part about it is you mentioned Mookie and like everyone's calling them cheap and like I understand it because whenever you don't, I mean, I actually don't hate a team not going like 10, 11, 12 years over 300 million because the number of times those work out is pretty rare. I don't know. I mean, you could probably name them like A-Rod worked out, Manny Ramirez worked out. Uh, the the list of like Josh Hamilton's is a lot easier to find. I don't know if Bryce Harper is going to... You know what I mean? Yeah. If, if you are fundamentally against that. But the fact is, they are one of the highest payrolls in baseball. By spot tracks records, it's the Yankees, the Dodgers. It's the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Red Sox in third place. So it's not like they're not spending. It's just they have so many bad investments and so much money wasted. I mean, they're paying Pablo Sandoval this year. Like, that's the (laughs) hole that they dug themselves with all these things. So it's like you signed Chris Sale for $30 a year when you and I, looking at photographs on the Internet, could see that his elbow was not built to last. His, his, His historical stats from August and September are awful. Like, he doesn't have the body. And Dombrowski was like, you know what, that's the guy after he didn't pitch for us at all in the second half of the year and barely pitched in the playoffs, we got to give him that big money deal. So they basically got themselves into this problem with all this money that that went to waste. Evaldi's another one. Look at Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce has been on like 28 MLB teams because he's not very good. He has a good series against the Dodgers, not even a great series against the Dodgers. He gets rewarded with the contract, and as a result, they can't pay a closer last year. It's like all these bad decisions. That's why they hired this Heim Bloom guy to just sort of come in and run it like a low-budget bu- low operation for, I don't know, three years and restabilize. But I, I really think it's it's going to be a slow build because if you don't have pitching, you might as well not even show up. Like, like there are teams that aren't atrocious. Like, like the Orioles' you know, offense is okay. It's just when you don't have pitching, you're not a baseball team. And the Red Sox, I don't think they're going to have it for, for at least a couple of years. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at their lineup. I mean, the heart of their order is still Raphael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts. I mean, that's this good, maybe even the best 2-3-4 in the league. Uh, but Xander Bogarts had that quote they showed last night in the broadcast where he said, you know, it's one thing to come back, but to be asked to score seven, eight, nine runs a game is just impossible. And it just seems like that's what they have to do to win is score seven, eight, nine runs. But even on Sunday night, they score seven runs and they still lose nine to seven. Sunday night, like I said, the Red Sox looked good. Bogarts was was a star. Uh, Devers hit a ball to the moon. They were, you know, coming through with with hits when they needed them, which which haven't really been there this year. And then you actually have a reliever who's one one of your good ones in Matt Barnes, and a lot of good that did you. So I mean, it's 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 a problem when you have to score eight nine runs to win a game. Uh, I, I just think, I mean, honestly, it's it's simplistic. But if you lose two games to the Baltimore Orioles in a 60-game season, it's over. Like that's <laughs> like you 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 are allowed one loss to the Orioles in a 60-game season if they're in your division, and they used two up right away. So after that weekend, it was like it's just not happening. I mean, and then the the wins in Queens were all right. Like you kind of watch those, and then you're kind of like, well, the Mets might suck. So it's 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 all all I wanted out of the Red Sox this year was for them to be mediocre. And with the expanded playoff field, that 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 room for error got even bigger. Like you just have to be like probably 36 and 24 to to make the playoffs. I don't see that happening in any way. Now it's like, are they going to get 20 wins? It's going to be a struggle. So uh that this is all assuming that the season's going to continue i mean by the time yeah. we finish this podcast the season might be shut down so i don't know this would be the season that gets shut down when the yankees are you know the best team the red Sox are horrible the astros aren't doing very well um and which brings me to the point that everyone talked about how the astros sort of got off the hook this year because they don't have to play in front of fans uh but i feel like the red Sox kind of got off the hook because I wish that fans were going to these games. I mean, you'd be able to go for $3 oh, a ticket and the ownership man. who, you know, yeah. maybe they didn't cheap in their way, but not paying bets is certainly not a great look for a team in, in Boston. Uh, but the fact that Red Sox fans have to only sit through 60 games of this instead of 162 feels, feels like Yankees fans are getting shortchanged. Yeah. And, and I think the Red Sox ownership is getting off the hook a little bit. And like I said, it's not a matter of, of being cheap. It's just a matter of imprudent spending, uh, which is, I mean, the thing with John Henry is he trusts his baseball operations leader to make baseball decisions. Like he trusted Larry Lucchino to do it uh, to a fault because it cost him Theo Epstein. Uh, he he trusted Dombrowski to do it. He trusted Charrington to do it. They just he just you know does what is recommended by them. So I think with Dombrowski the 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 book was out. You know you're not going to build a bullpen. You're going to acquire stars and you're going to be left you know holding a big bag of cash at the end. But you might win a World Series. So they did. I think. The one thing is that people kind of forgot during the, the, the pandemic and the shutdowns and everything like that is like people here were pissed in March, like so pissed. <laughs> and like the Red Sox still, if you click on any one of their tweets, it could be like, we're coming up in the fifth down to one. There will be 800 <laughs> replies like sign Mookie, get Mookie like you traded Mookie like you're dead to me. Like people are pissed. So I think the one benefit I believe I believe in accountability so while fans can't be in the ballpark to you know express their disgust and displeasure, at least it is playing out, and we can see what bad planning and bad organizational, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, just a, a poorly run operation going into the season looks like, so that it can sort of manifest itself and people can see it. Because if this whole season got shut down before it started, then the Red Sox kind of got away with that. So I think uh, on the plus side, uh, there is the fact that everyone can sort of see 
just how grisly it's going to be. On social media, there was this faction of Red Sox fans who thought that they would re-sign Betts even after they traded him. And it's like the people didn't learn from the John Lester situation. Once you let a guy go somewhere else, it's so much easier for them to sign somewhere else. There's probably this unknown fear when you're, you know, you've only known one organization your whole career to leave and go somewhere else, not knowing what it might entail. But I don't know why people thought the Red Sox were willing to trade him. They weren't then going to turn around and give him the contract he eventually got. Master plan. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was the same thing with Lester. Now, it is different with Lester because they actually lowballed him. I think they offered Lester. I have to, I, I will check while I say this, but I think it was four years and $72 million. Like, I think it was, like, so unbelievable. Like, like he was willing to take a discount, and then they tried to pay him, like, I guess six years, 110. So what's that come out to? Like, uh, I'm not a math guy here. <laughs> that is, 110 uh, divided by six. They wanted to pay him $18 million a year, like a front, front of the line left handed starter who pitches 220 innings a year. Like, they wanted to give him not, they wanted to give him Nady Evaldi money. So, uh, they <laughs> nasty actually, Nate. Yeah, nasty, nasty job. I don't know. So they, is that a thing in Boston? Every time he'd start for the Yankees, they would, their social media would tweet out, like, Nasty Nate starting today. It's like, what is – there's nothing nasty about Nate except for his uh, 1.7 whip. <laughs> no, I think that – I only know that from you. But uh, <laughs> they they, they low – oh, wait, no. Uh, December 6, 2018, Red Sox tweeted, Nasty Nate is back. <laughs> I guess they're still – Nasty Nate is opening 2020. The Red Sox tweeted a couple weeks ago, so I guess it's still a thing. I've never said that one myself. (laughs) But um, Lester was a cheap thing, and then still it was a big thing. Like, all right, trade him to Oakland. Maybe he'll resign. It's like, why would he resign? He literally has no ties to Boston anymore. So the Betts resigning thing was always a fantasy uh, because they were $100 million apart. The only, like, slight complication would be the pandemic affecting it but as we saw it only hurt him what 50 million dollars maybe so uh yeah that was never going to happen everyone saw it coming it's a player you should be able to afford but because of a number of reasons like we can't even get a straight answer out of them like if if it again if it's the principle like we don't go over 10 300 i'd be like all right well i mean that's probably smart but they like we can't even know that because they didn't have a dollar to sign a, a closer last year like that's that's where they're at with the luxury tax that it's just sort of a mess so i mean it's uh, it's hard to sign a guy like that when you own a baseball team that i mean baseball teams aren't profitable so it's hard true. To, to get money to sign guys i mean the cubs i don't know how the cubs are affording their electric bills because they rely <laughs> on the gate for all of their money according to ricketts so i mean let's just can we dedicate like the next 25 40 minutes to just praising the owners for bravely getting through this season <laughs> Um, I mean, because there are no reasons to shut it down. The players are completely safe. Yeah. No one's in an un- unsafe condition by putting put in that position from their bosses. And those bosses are just, you know, losing. They're just hemorrhaging money. Uh, so God bless these owners for bravely going forward. And God bless Rob Manfred, who's not a quitter. <laughs> well, another Red Sox question I have for you is two years ago, Andrew Benatendi, uh he seemed like he was going to haunt the Yankees for the next decade at least. He had huge hits against them, big-time home runs at Yankee Stadium. Last year, he wasn't very good. I mean, he played 138 games and hit 13 home runs. Brett Gardner hit 28 home runs last year with the Super Bowl. So if you if you didn't come around 25 last year, I feel like, did you even play? And Benintendi had 13. This year, he's off to another horrific start. What's happened to this guy? I really don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, it's a kid 
who when they they were bringing him up, I remember I did like the the YouTube scouting research as the <laughs> professional YouTube watcher, and his swing was a thing of beauty. Like he could inside out it all over the field. He could he could get into one to his pull side. Like he was an all around hitter. Like like there wasn't a perceived weakness. Then you know it, it was it didn't take long for that weakness to show itself, and that he. I don't. I don't know exactly what it is. I feel like high fastballs are not something he can get around on. Uh, I don't know if it's mental. I don't know what it is. I know Ron Renicky isn't helping because it's like because <laughs> it's Ron Renicky. It's not Ron Renicky, <laughs> but I mean, the guys like batting leadoff, second, fifth, seventh. It's like there's no there's no structure in place. I think for him to to succeed. I think. Uh, I mean, it, it probably helped. I, I'm guessing when he had his good season, he was batting in front of J.D. Martinez, which is a pretty a pretty nice boost to have. But um, I, I I don't believe he is like an 085 hitter. I believe he's in a bad stretch right now. Uh, it's sort of a unique, weird season. A lot of players are in that boat. But definitely I've been disappointed that he's going the wrong way. Like when he debuted... It was sort of like this is a star in the making, yeah. and it's just been slowly coming down from last year. And this year is not off to the start he needed. So, yeah, I mean, he was like the guy for you know two or three years. Or when you discuss trade rumors and stuff, you're like, well, he, you can't touch Benintendi, and it's like, well, maybe you could have. <laughs> but that's all. That's hindsight entirely. And, and Raphael Devers uh, flashing some glove at Yankee Stadium this weekend. I remember when he was being pulled because Eduardo Nunez was a better fielder than him. So he certainly progressed a lot as well. Yeah, he has his moments. Uh, he still has, I think, is it two errors this year or three errors this year? He had a couple in the first weekend. Uh, yeah, he has three errors on the year. So it's it's not perfect, but definitely for a kid, I mean, he still needs to probably lose a couple pounds because when he makes those like diving plays, getting up isn't always the easiest. Uh, a little bit more spring would probably help in that. But definitely, he is he he is a, he's come a long way. Uh, last year was big for him with that. Uh, and then he actually started hitting Sunday night, which is a new thing this year. So uh, it's it's I mean, he had a, a pretty spectacular season last year. Um, 50 doubles, I think 30 home runs. I don't know how many RBIs, but he was he was the star in the making at like 20. Like he's so young. He's so unbelievably young that he should be a cornerstone uh, in him and Bogart's. Uh, if they can keep that together for a while, could be a nice T-shirt maybe in like 2024, like like cartoons of Bogart's <laughs> endeavors, the left side of the infield. It was like when I was a kid, I had a, uh, a Roger Clemens, Tim Wakefield uh, caricature shirt, and it said like knuckle power on it. Like that was a good, that was a good shirt. Um, I feel like those guys are, are due for that. It's just can Ben Benintendi join it being on the left side as well? I don't think so, but you know, you never. I'm not going to count it out at this point. Yeah, it, when you look at this season, I mean, certainly it's a different perspective for a Red Sox fan, but 60 games, who knows if every team will even play 60 games. Like you said, the season could get canceled. It could be getting canceled right now. We're just talking. We don't know it. But you're going to have teams that are playing like 51 games and 60, and based on winning percentage, who's going to this crazy six-team team playoff? Uh, how do you watch this season knowing that it could end at any time and knowing that it is a little weird, even though it, even though it is an actual game on the field? I mean, to me... The fans don't matter. I don't need to hear 50,000 people, you know, going, ah, when there's a routine fly ball <laughs> to center field. But I don't, the product is still there. It's still Major League Baseball, but the rest of everything going on around it is just, it makes it hard to believe that we'll get to the finish line. Uh, did you notice it was Friday night 
which was the Weber game, right? Weber started that one. That, yeah. That, yeah, because Godley was Saturday. It's hard to get my aces in, in order over here. <laughs> um, but Friday night was the first night where I felt like this isn't right. Like maybe it's because of all the news with the Cardinals and the Brewers being postponed and in the the Marlins still being out. That like it seemed like Friday night the players just kind of took the field and there was no. It it felt like a practice. Like I think it was Judge or Stanton had a big strikeout and a big moment. I forget the it was like two on and one out and it was like a big strikeout and they just showed him in the dugout and it was kind of like yeah like there was no <laughs> there was no passion and I don't know if that was just because of that particular day. I think Sunday night was better, but um, I, I'm with you that I don't need fans because like I don't know it's it, it's it's a, I like the sport and not not the TV show, but. Watching in Yankee Stadium for whatever reason was the weirdest. Like that was the the first time it felt eerie to me. And I had watched games at Fenway, at City Field, at Nationals Park. Uh, I'm trying to think of all the national games. I watched plenty of Dodgers games already. Uh, some about Yankee Stadium being empty just felt super eerie. So I, I didn't particularly like that. So uh, I, that's that's the first time I felt that. And I don't know if it was because of the weekend that just kind of was like uh, not a good one. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's. It feels weird because they're not doing anything. Like the Marlins, okay, you're, you're done. It's like so the Marlins just done. Are they gonna, they're going to play again? And then what when when it happens again? Because it will happen again because the virus is in the country and the players are in the country. Like it's <laughs> it's inevitable. Yeah. And the league is just sort of being like, uh, no, it's it, it'll be okay. And Rob Manfred doesn't want to quit, so it's super uncomfortable. I I. I still have my doubts that it gets through, but I mean, if they're just going to play through everyone getting sick, then uh, I guess they'll finish no matter what, but it just kind of sucks. All right, Mike. Well, thanks for taking the time to come on today. We've got plenty more Yankees-Red Sox games this season if the season does get finished, so we'll check in again, and uh, we'll see how the Red Sox are doing next time. They'll have a few more aces in tow next time (laughs) we talk, I'm sure. All right, thanks again. All right, thanks again to Hurley for taking the time to come on and talk about the state of the Red Sox. They still have plenty of games left with the Yankees this season, so we'll hear from him again. That'll do it for today, and and we'll be back tomorrow to talk Yankees-Phillies. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 